the facts for? Yeah. They used to call me Crazy Joe, but now they can call me Batman. You want some sexy? You want to laugh? Licensed to talk. All right, Marky, episode 82. We have a recently retired principal, COO of the Buffalo Public Schools. He is an educated education consultant for Evolve Technology, Kevin Eberly. How are you today, buddy? Doing great. And Kevin comes from us. I've, I've seen him around. He's a bright guy, so I wanted to talk to him, Marky. And one of the things we'll talk about is the new metal detection, his background in education, and it starts in Frontier in the late 60s. He graduates. Easy now. <laughs> Easy now. 70s, mid-70s. Yeah, and then he ends not up, that old. He ends up in Hampton, Virginia around 1979. Correct. Tell Correct. us about being a cop in Hampton, Virginia. Yeah, I, I actually, back in the day, I uh, graduated from Hilbert College with a criminal justice degree in the late 70s and uh, went in for the state trooper exams in New York. And uh, they were, there was no chance of any of us getting on back in the day. They weren't really in the need that they are today. Uh, so I started applying all over the country. I knew one guy down in Newport News, Virginia. He said, get down here, they're hiring. So I, I took the test for uh, Newport News and Hampton, and uh, I got hired in five weeks right out of college. It was How big is Hampton? I picked Hampton. It was just the ones that I went to. I went down and I actually canvassed the area. I, I, you know, I put a, t- a test in for Virginia Beach. It's right in the Norfolk area, down at what they, what's called Tidewater, Virginia. It's right on the coast. Uh, Hampton was right in uh, between the York River and the James River. And uh, so it was one of the ones that uh, I selected. I went down, did the interviews, did five different trips down there, and went all the way to the polygraph, and they said, yeah, we, we want you. So I started in uh, August of uh, 1979, right out of right, right in school, gra- graduated from college, and went right down a month later. Any Yankee comments when you get that? Oh, there? totally. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I can't say a few of them on the radio. Well, maybe I can on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, there's three kind of Yankees. What? So we're Yankees sitting here right now in Buffalo, New York. There, we're damn Yankees if we go down to visit. And we're goddamn Yankees because I went down and took a job away from one of the Rebels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. really. Oh, and they let me know it, too. The, yeah, <laughs> it, it took me a few years to really earn my stripes, yeah. So in, in, in would that matter that you had the criminal justice degree? Like, here it doesn't matter. Like Back then, in, in 79, that was huge. I went down. I actually went down there with an associate's degree. I didn't even have a bachelor's. They paid for my bachelor's going down there. I, I went down there. They felt like I had a doctorate down there with an associate's because many, the, many of the officers came right out of high school, were hired right at 21 years old uh, with no college degree at all. So with me going down with a degree, that was, that was a big plus for me. Didn't know it at the time, but it certainly was a big plus once I got on. So everybody that you were on the force with at the time was a like-minded criminal justice you know, a lot of them weren't. They they were just out of high school, and a lot of the ones oh, like really? me going back in with a criminal justice degree. And well, I mean, I was selected. I was I was only on probably six months, and I was actually selected uh, on their uh, SWAT team because uh, of a couple incidences. Uh, I was one of the youngest uh, SWAT team members uh, at 22 years old. I mean, you're supposed to have five years on, and I was selected for a couple of critical incidences that were there that they saw me and out. You know, and and. And between that and the degree, and I think that was a lot of good things that, that helped me out. Yeah. When you get into education, at what point during on the police force are you thinking, maybe there's a way out of here, maybe I can get into teaching? When does that start? No, it, it actually didn't go that way. I actually, no. uh, being a tactical officer, I was on the SWAT team, so it, it was an interesting thing because Langley Air Force Base was the air tactical command of the Atlantic Fleet uh, right in Norfolk, and uh, and Langley Air Force Base was right in Hampton, the Air Force. So you had the Naval Station, then you had the Air, the air Base for the Air Force. 
Ronald Reagan was president at the time. He used to fly in all the time. And when they realized that he was going to be doing motorcades and stuff, we had to we had to get trained. The SWAT team had to get trained by the Secret Service and the FBI for dignitary protection. So I was sort of a young kid going, wow, this is really great. I'm doing some really cool stuff here. Yeah. 21, 22 years old, on a tactical team, going up to Beltsville, Maryland, being trained by the Secret Service and going to sniper school in Quantico for Virginia. Uh, I, so I, I was like on the fast track going on thinking I was going to stay, but uh, one of the components to it was we started teaching in the police academy. That is really was my buzz. I mean, I really like that. When I started going in and started telling my stories and talking about all the street and all the stuff I learned from the street, I actually did like that piece of passing on what I learned on the streets and all the things I did. I really did like that. So the teaching and the education part of it, I, I liked actually being a mentor. Uh, I, 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 my next step would have been a training officer, but I ended up after the seventh year, I pretty much knew I was going to try to transition back. Didn't really know I was going to go right into education, so my, which was ironic because I fortunately had a very successful brother yeah. that was a, a company owner of a structural steel company, Contour Steel, and I came up and was in Local 6 for a, a little bit of time and learned the, 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 the hard ropes, you know, the, definitely the way uh, the ironworkers, which is just uh, another incredible, incredible job. Those guys are great, aren't they? Oh, it, it's, it's just, just an incredible, incredible group of uh, men that are out there that have built this country. So learned a lot from all them. And they like my stories, too, being on the police department. So I was sort of like the character, you know, coming back, the old, the old uh, seven-year cop coming up and, so that was a good transition. So I did well. My brother uh, did me well as far as transitioning. And literally about a year and a half into it, I was finishing up, went back, finished my master's. I had to have be certified in New York State for being an educator. And I had an opportunity. It was sort of, you know, the good Lord was looking down on me. And uh, I had an opportunity to go down and start a uh, criminal justice course for high school students in Ellicottville. A friend of ours had, was a director of vocational Ed down in Cat Allegheny Boses, and he said, uh, what do you think about writing the program? And it was easy for me because I was teaching in the academy right. all those years. I j literally transfer transferred all the stuff I learned and I taught in the academy and embedded it into a high school course for criminal justice. And the kids ate it up, juniors and seniors in high school. You know, in a, in a Bosey Center where a lot of kids were in auto mechanics and, you know, auto body and cosmetology, all the different things. Well, this is the first year for criminal justice in the state of New York in Ellicottville back in, that was in 1990. So I took something similar by uh, Bill Dunford. He taught it at time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. There was, so it's, it's gone in the last 40 years. You know, 30 years, it's just it just gone to a different level. So many kids are interested in it, especially the media and, and TV and all the things, the CSI and all the N NCSI and all the JFK. things. JFK. He taught us about JFK. Oh, yeah, JFK. <laughs> yeah, it was all conspiracy, right? I was like, oh, my God. But not many courses now are, like, made up by human beings. It feels like it's like a process, a system, you know, so, like, you engaging with students in that way, that probably doesn't happen all that much anymore. I don't think it happens at all. I mean, I what I did, this is the God's honest truth. When I went down to Ellicottville, this was in uh, 1990, 91, uh, I was thinking I'm going to literally recreate what I did in the police academy. And, and, and in a police academy in Virginia back in the 80s, Everything was all applied academics. It was literally, you would have role-playing simulations. You would have different scenarios you'd have to go through. I mean, we'd have a shoot-don't shoot up at the FBI in Quantico where you actually would live fire going through our rubber rooms with live, you know, if you were to shoot or don't shoot. Uh, no one has those experiences, even the police academy now. It's mostly all book work, 
although our police academies here are great. I mean, they obviously, you know, between all the road stops and all the, you know, all the different, uh, again, the role-playing simulations are the big ones, the psychological part of it. I did that for juniors and seniors. I literally cr recreated a classroom where the first day of school, the kids came in, they had no idea what to create. I had a whole crime scene. The whole classroom was a crime scene. I, I had a mannequin with a uh, with a knife with blood dripping off of it in the back of the corner, radio procedures, you know, talking about. And I literally had them walk in saying, "You need to understand certain things," and, you know. And then that's when I literally started talking about like, the exclusionary rule and rules of evidence and all the things. And I literally had a comment from a trooper because so much time has gone by. It's probably one of the greatest compliments I had. He called up because I just want to let you know. I said I just retired from the troopers and. Uh, you still were the best class I ever had in the 25 years in between. I'm thinking, oh, oh my great. God, you know, I was a senior in high school and he went and I thought that was a great, it was a great line. It, was, it made me feel good as far as what we were doing was the right thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. Tailored made uh, courses sound like uh, what should be the future, you know, right. you know, no, people no question about it. It has know. to, it has to be more. Well, see, my whole life has all been, been about communications. It's all about relationships and it's all about communications. And that's what I did with the kids in high schools. And that's what I did as a principal going in. I was 20, almost, almost 30 years as a principal in five school districts and mostly in Buffalo. I spent almost 20 years in Buffalo, just retiring from Buffalo. And that was really all my transferable. I keep on talking about transferable skills to people and what we go through life and where I'm at now in my 60s. It's like I've got 42 years of stories to tell and things would you do to really for the next generation of mentoring the next generation of teachers and administrators. So that's what I still have fire uh, in the belly there to, to actually still do that. And and so I'm getting calls from a lot of people and still trying to mentor a lot of people to say, hey, this is, what, this is how you have to deal with it. It's about treating the teachers right and you know, supporting the students and, you know, have, having good relationships between everybody. But also like life skills, because like a lot of oh, teachers are, a lot of teachers are so young that when they get into a classroom, all they've known is the classroom mm -hmm. rather than the skill or the, you know, experience working with people. That's, yes. the, that's the key part of it. And the social emotional pieces that are going on right now with the safety, which is ironic of the thing of how I've transitioned where we can go into a lot of things I've done, but with safety and safety concerns and especially in the urban setting, uh, now I think there's a lot of anxiety, fear, and depression in a lot of people's mm -hmm. minds of, you know, what is going on here? What are we doing? What are we doing this for? You know, and the unfortunate thing about the educational system, and I've said this for many, many years to many of my teachers, a lot of people know my philosophy. Uh, it, it, we're in a 120-year-old school system from 1900 that is based on agriculture. I mean, think about it. No yeah. one really thinks about from September to June. Why is schools from September to June? Well, it's because of the crops. You know, the kids had to go and bring the crops in and stuff and all the farming and all the different things. And we haven't changed that. If I were to say the three of us sitting here right now talking on microphones and we were in <laughs> 1900 and we invented a time machine. And you're a doctor. You're a doctor. And I'm a math teacher. We hop in that machine and come to 2022, 2023 now. You wouldn't be able to get into the front foyer of a hospital because you wouldn't even know what penicillin was just invented a few years before. That's a good point. I could still go into the school and there'd still be rows of desks, and I could still be talking about Pythagoras, and I can talk about algorithms, and I can talk about the basic stuff. We, education hasn't changed the mode of teaching, and there's where it goes into, where that's what I wanted to do 30 years ago when I started with the applied academics, and I think that's where we're starting to see it. You start getting into STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math, the STEM courses across the country. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Jimmy Klubeck, he, He's, he's probably one of the big uh, reps in this whole area, probably nationally, for Waz Ed. Waz Ed is, was basically started by Steve Wozniak from Apple. 
which is based on integrating STEM courses from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. And it's a phenomenal program, already written curriculum that can be embedded in any school in the country. And we're going all over the country now and start talking about why. He's already been doing it. He's got an incredible piece that we're doing. That those are the kind of things, getting back to the applied part, instead of just rote method, let's sit in front. You know, I mean, let's face it, rows of desks and the teacher in the front were based on the assembly line. Let's have the master, let's have everybody in the line, row up, take the rules, let's, you know, and this is what you do. And it's, it's a broken system. You know? And you've got to think, now you have to think out of the box, I think. Totally. On a lot of things. Totally. Sports. Yeah. Running a bar, you know, anything. Even with that rote method, I will still support every single teacher that is on this planet. I'm they're in the trenches. I, I would say the American heroes right now are definitely the the, the first first line emergency uh, fire, police, mm -hmm. nurses, doctors, and teachers. Teachers are the forgotten souls. I mean, oh, they're basically totally. there. You know, and now with the pandemic, you can even bring you know truck drivers and 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 everybody supplying everything. So when you really look at the whole piece of the ones that really kept everything going through the pandemic. Teachers were sort of off to the side, and they were still bastardized. You know, even all the, the online, you know, online, you know, all the, the drilling online, and no one was doing anything. We lost two years of education. Hey, the whole world lost two years of education. So let's reset. Let's right. not, you know, let's get through the rhetoric, get past the rhetoric, and say we have some serious things to do. But let's really bring it back to the voices of the teachers and the students. There's no voice out there. Students don't have a voice. Teachers don't have a voice. It's everybody else talking about what they're not doing right. I, every day, on like for some goddamn reason, I gotta watch morning news shows. You know, so I'm watching Good Morning America, and I'm bitching to him the one day. I go, they're teaching how to make bread. Yeah. Why don't they educate us? Why don't they? The kids are home watching this. Right. This is a perfect. Uh, time for LeBron James to come in and show mm -hmm. you how he does his ab crunches. Mm -hmm. And this guy, how do you do a uh, – we'll get to the crazy math. I can't – I have a three-year-old. Mm -hmm. I'm so scared mm -hmm. at these boxes and sticks. Oh, yeah. Holy oh, yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. No, and, and, and that's why – and, again, now think about it. I mean, think about this stuff. All three of us right now go from kindergarten to 12th grade, just, just formal education before college. And then you choose if you're going to go to college, you're going to go into a career right away. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of careers out there right now that, like Wozniak saying this. Wozniak's basically saying there, there's STEM programs right there. Right now. You can come right out of high school and be making sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year just being programmers and different things. But we're not teaching that. That's not in the, it's not in the schools right. unless you specifically have that course. But schools won't fit it in there because there are specific things that have to be requirements. There's 22 credits you have to have in high school to graduate. You have to have three uh, credits of Spanish. Now it's down to <laughs> yeah. one. One, one. I don't know, you know a word. I took yeah, six years. Three credits of math, You know, four <laughs> credits of social studies. So they have all these rules of saying this, and this, these rules have been around a long time, and everybody's kicking the can down the road and still not really looking at the ball and saying what's really going on here. Because if you were to ask any teacher right now, guaranteed – if you took a social studies teacher, brilliant social studies teachers, and put them in front of a midterm algebra exam, <laughs> the percentages would be minuscule because they don't teach it. And right. they never retained it because what you retain is what you do, right. not of what you hear or what you say. You know, it's, yeah. it's what you do. And that's why social studies are brilliant. And a lot of people don't like social studies. They don't like history. But math, that's another animal because there's so many transferable pieces into engineering and all the different things of physics and mm -hmm. all the things with chemistry, totally related to everything. No one wants to really look at that and lay it out as what education really should be in this country. And I've seen it for, I've been doing it for 40 years now, and I, I'm thinking, okay, how do, how do we get that voice out there? There's too many 
people involved that are pointing in the wrong direction. They're blaming people. And I there's mean, money yeah. involved. Well, yeah. Totally. I mean, it's a it's a passion job. You're not being a teacher for money. Correct. You know, yeah. like it's a total Correct. passion job. But like, I don't know, you think about it and and it's like some of these teachers are just learning this themselves. Like it, it there's it's, they totally are. Yes. Yeah, it's like they're learning on the fly and then they have to mold the mind around something that's like not been ingrained in you. And 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 again, what you say is so on where no one wants to really talk about the real issues that are going on. Teachers go into teaching because they want to help. They truly, genuinely in the heart. It's not like people are just sitting there going, oh, you know what? I'm going to I'm just going to go in here and take a less job than my buddies over there going to city group or going to, you know, whatever company going in for another twenty, thirty thousand dollars. I'm going there because I know I can help kids. They go into it. What happens the first day? Here's a kid bullying another kid. Oh, I don't like your hair. Oh, you're a skank. You're this. You're that. Oh, a fight breaks out in the classroom. That. There's nothing in anywhere of any curriculum of any college that teaches teachers the methods of human interaction. Right? Do they need they and they need to start they, that? They absolutely need to do that. I, I literally just saw something that was incredible. It was on TED Talks. It's Will uh, Will Girardi or Will Girardi or Girardi. I can't, I can't think of his name now, but he was a restaurant owner of one of the top restaurants in the world. It was in Manhattan. It was called Eleven Madison. What is the Eleven Madison oh, Avenue? I, I've heard. They just recently went vegan or something. They they are doing stuff there, but it was a high end five star, four star, whatever it is, three star, whatever it is. But I mean, people in tuxedos, suits, ties, crisp tablecloths, all this stuff. He's on TED Talks right now. He talks about unreasonable hospitality, and he starts talking about it. And one couple came in there and said, "Boy, this was really great. It's twelve course meal. It was like three hundred to four hundred dollars for the meal." You know, so you know, people are doling out thousands of dollars for meal, but it's exquisite. It's like European. It's like all this stuff, and he just loved it. But he has this TED that talks about. This unreasonable hospitality he said he realized that, boy, I can look at my food, I can look at the ambiance, I can look at what we our delivery, we can look at the service, and that's just mere that's just just basic ingredients to the human a- interaction of life and what these mm-hmm. people are going through. Because the people came in there and said, boy, we would have really loved to have a New York City hot dog from one of the carts out there. After they just spent <laughs> hundred, and the guy goes, you gotta be kidding. He ran out, got a hot dog from the cart right on the corner, brought it into his chef that was like a, a, a super, probably a European chef. We're gonna put the hot dog on our menu. <laughs> he probably he wanted flipped. to have, he flipped out, but it was an incredible story. And I transferred that, and again, I read every night, I'm listening, I'm, I'm doing things up, my whole life I've done this. As I said, I didn't go back to my doctorate until I was my late 40s. And like I'm a researcher and I, I look at something like that. I'm thinking if that isn't transferable into education, into safety and all the things that I'm into right now, I'm thinking, wow, it really is. It's about unreasonable hospitality. It's about relationships. It's about people. It's about how do we talk? And that, I've done that my whole career with teachers. I mean, it didn't matter. Even if it was a teacher that was really hurting, I was going to unconditionally, it was going to be you know, 100% supporting them. You know, some, you know, jump, jumped on my train and some didn't, but most, you know, jumped on the train because they realized it was all for the good of the order and uh, basically in the business of, you know, teaching kids. Yeah, Jim, Jim said it was going to be a lot like lean on me today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> lean on me. The cop, the cop principal, huh? Joe, Joe Clark. Oh, that no, I never had a baseball bat. Yeah. I didn't even play baseball. They used to call me, used yeah. to call me Crazy Joe and all they yeah. call me Batman. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Oh, my God, yeah. No, well, those those guys are gone too because oh, I totally had Jim gone. Stanley at, at Bishop oh. Timing and those oh. guys are gone. You can't. Oh no! Totally gone. You'd be fired. Well, you're you're fired if you say something wrong about you know the sexual orientation. I right. Mean, so yeah. I mean, it's like everybody's on their edge. That's the other part of it right now. Not that it's it, it's appropriate, anyways. And we right. shouldn't be talking about anything. I mean, who, who is it that should? Who is the right to 
talk about anybody in any way, shape. And, it would, would, you know, I, I had a real problem with that. Bullying is a major issue in schools right now. And a lot of things, when it comes down to it, it does come down to race, sexual orientation, all the different things where I was sort of like the Pied Piper. You, you came to the principal's office not to get yelled at a lot of times. It was sort of like they knew I was going to really sort of take care of them and say, let's let's solve or have a solution for what the issue is here, yeah. as we're talking about. Because these people yeah. have been punished. Like, oh. The bad kids, they've all been punished. And we're, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, what are you supposed to do and, at the and, level? And I think that's why I really aspired more to the tougher schools. I started out when I came into the city. I was at Grover Cleveland. I mean, we had every gang in the city in Grover Cleveland what in 2004. Hmm? What year is that? It was 2004. Oh, yeah. And that was already 20 years after the major issues. You go back in the 90s in, in Grover, but I took it on. I had every, I mean, I, I literally my first couple of weeks, really probably one of my, my, my best friends here, uh, Richie Pizak, he's he's in charge of the social studies department. He's not in charge of the social department. He's a, he's a teacher uh, that basically is the guru for social studies in Western New York. Right. He's in New York State and everything. He was in the Grover with me as a social studies teacher, and, and he would have stories for age just to be incredible those early years of Grover that, I mean, we had gang fights every day. I mean, it was, it was just crazy. But we cleaned it up. And because I wasn't a person, and again, maybe the police background was that transferable skill that I needed, that I didn't look at it as, hey, that kid is going to jail, let's just forget about him. I was thinking like, we're gonna make sure that kid's gonna make it. You know, yeah, so we, right. we, we didn't, we look at the glass half empty, and it's like, what are we doing here? Hey, let's, let's do what we do. And through all the misery, through all the funerals, I went to every funeral of every student that ever was killed or shot or died, or I just went to one just a few weeks ago that just graduated from MST. Right. I mean, I had one my first year, and I had one my last year, and I'm thinking, what are you kidding? Over 20, only 20 kids we buried over the last 22 years. Wow, I was like, it's just terrible. crazy. That's just me, yeah. you know, so it's unfortunate. But we still look at it as, hey, this is about what we can do to better society and better educate and, and not give up on anybody. That's, my, that's been my theme my whole life. I was like yeah. that as a police officer. <clears throat> right. Cause I would take like, kids home. Yeah, because, like, the skill of reading people, too. Oh. Like, you, like, you know, like, that's you huge. have to be amongst the people in order to – get vibes from people and you know and it's sometimes like i said with some teachers or whatever they they might not have the life skills to you know cope with like such hard things like that you know and that's the, and that's the other piece that i think is a role of an administrator especially a principal what i did for those ones it's the same as i looked at students saying okay you've had a bad time i mean I would be in front of judges, you know, to make sure the kid got back into school instead of going to the holding center or something like that to say, hey, let me have him. Let, let him, let's get him back in, let, give this kid a fight. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. The kid eventually went the wrong way. Anyways, I feel the same way with teachers in a lot of ways that don't have the skills or not even so much the skills, but have never been introduced to the problem-solving skills for the social-emotional part of the job. Mm -hmm. I used to actually love that mentoring piece of coming in and we, we would do interactive things. I mean, with MST, the Mass Science Technology School, my, my last four years, when I was, I was COO for three years towards the end and I ended up saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that piece and came back to the principalship to retire from uh, MST. When I went into MST, the first year I looked at formal suspensions, the year before there was almost 100 formal suspensions, which is a superintendent's hearing for kids that were actually suspended to the worst. It was almost 100. My first year with the team that I had of the administrators, we, we had five. So it's the same kids, That's but it was great. a different approach. And it's not like me saying to myself, oh, pat myself on the back here. It was the holistic team approach 
that it wasn't me, it was us. It was the whole team of teachers, and we're in this together. And they had seen so much and so much misery and so much stuff there. And then all of a sudden I come along and say, well, no, it's not going to be you on yourself in your classroom. It's not going to be me and myself as the whole building. It's going to be us as a collective team of understanding the kids more, getting into restorative practices where that took a big slam. It was restorative justice. Oh, you're just slapping kids on the, the hand. When you really did the research of what really was working, restorative practices now are really what it is, actually yeah. listening to what the kids are going through. We did a book study that was talking about what happened to you, and you know, because through life, what do we do as adults? You look at a kid that's swearing down the hallway, bowling, saying, hey, what's, what, what the heck's wrong with you? What, what, what is that? And everybody thinks, what's wrong with you? Well, Dr. Perry, ironically, and not like I'm a big fan, but Oprah actually did a thing, wrote about herself when she was a little girl. The two of them co-authored, wrote a book about what happened to you, not what's wrong with you. So yeah, then teachers yeah. could see, wow, look at this. You know, th this it's, let, let's get into the inner soul yeah, of the new each one of these kids and saying, things. yes. Yeah. It's like, what what happened to you? And you actually start seeing And the teachers knew. They knew where the kids are. They know where they yeah. live. They know where they're, they're on the east side. They're on the west side. They know. And, and that was what was the key to changing the mindset of changing the whole culture and fabric of an entire school through the teacher force with the administrators to say, we're here to support every student. Again, it wasn't a perfect world. We, it was like, you know, it was tough. We had some tough days, but we changed the fabric and the culture of a school because we looked at it collectively as a solid group. You know, it's a team, the team, team approach. You got a sports background? You played sports as a kid? You know, hey, growing up with Tim Eberly, who was all Western New York and anything, I was sports. Oh, my kids. Yeah, my, my daughter, so you Sam. Can, yeah. You can tell. You can tell that you. Oh, the team approach was sports. Team approach, oh, yeah. I, yeah. Was, I was sports all through high school and all this yeah. stuff, but I didn't go college. My daughter was the big one. She was Division two, Sweet 16, two years ago for field hockey in Newport. Nice. So that's, that's our hero, yeah. She, uh, Kyle, you know, my, my son, he, he was soccer all the, all, all the way through. He, and they're, they're still now. I mean, he's almost 30. He's 28. They're all doing the beach volleyball all the way through the, the, through the winter. You know, <laughs> they're all doing the volleyball games and all the stuff. You know, it's amazing. So, yeah, they're all into sports. So we know the mentality of coaching, and that's yeah. what it is. It's life, it's what it is. It's life I, coaching. Yeah. That's what it really is. Now, during all this, when you're turning things around, are you getting this, the stink eye from a superintendent, or are they working with you? Are they giving you that a boy, or are they thinking this guy's showing me up? I'm, I'm thinking probably my career, if you had different people look and say, hey, what do you think of Kevin Everly? And thinking, you, you'd, yeah, I think you'd have a – Maybe not a 50-50 split, but you'd have a lot of people think this guy's one of the craziest principals that ever came along that, <laughs> that was not like the guy who was punching kids and, you know, all, we had guys back in the 70s and 60s or, you know, punchy, you know, yeah, punching kids. Yeah. But it was because I was filled with discourse. If I didn't agree with something, it didn't really matter what your rank was or it didn't matter what you were. I was there. I, I I'm, was you're in the trenches. Solution. Solutions. I was there Solutions. about the solution. I was, as a COO, I went in. I was in charge of uh, security uh, nutrition, food, nutrition, transportation, and facilities. I mean, it was hundreds of millions of dollars of the budget. And you have a superintendent that comes in and who's a squatter that was, you know, and I can literally say no because he's not there anymore, uh, that it was, in my opinion, was not really effective. That it was all about him and it was all about his ego and it was all about the different things. He was there six years. Destroyed a lot of stuff. But for me, you know, three of those years, it was tough because I was handling stuff that I didn't really agree with what he was doing. And you just had to sort of beat to his drum and that was it. And that's the difficult, that's the other broken part of the systems when you have the continuous changeover of superintendents from school districts to school, especially the urban, right. urban settings right now, the average is 
three and a half years, two, you know, two to three and a half years of a They got the no confidence for this one. I yeah. mean, that's nothing new, though. That's, yeah, that, that goes every time. And that's that's all posturing strictly, a little bit. That's, that's strictly contractual things. Yeah. I, I mean, this is the first time they actually had someone come in that's actually a local that has credentials that was actually in the district. The first one in years. Years. Since I, I, I always follow news. Right. I've never. Right. The guy you're talking about is a mm-hmm. critter cash. Yeah, yeah. I call him critter. Yeah, yeah critter. He, he right. Crittered right. back to wherever. Yeah. Back to Martha's Vineyard. Martha's yeah. Vineyard. Yeah. yeah. So he he yeah uh, he really knew <laughs> what he, he knew the tough times of the city. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's tough. I mean, and I'm not one. You know, to be honest with you, I I don't I'm not one to really try to slam people or come in there and say oh no. here's the bad things on it because there were things that I mean he was funny. There were things about him that were, were, were funny, but again, I'm I'm one that my whole entire life has been dedicated to service and and, and not, not trying to get angelic or trying to be, you know, spiritual or anything in, in one way, but it, that, that, that's what I think we're here. I mean, we're here is how many lives can we really touch as long as we're on the planet? And more and more people are coming and going real quick on this planet, and the older we're getting, I'm thinking it's getting closer and closer. I'm thinking, now, what can we do? What can and we do? I've been, and I've been fortunate. And that's my transition now, where I'm at now after retirement, going into what I'm doing now. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, because, like, when I, even when I asked my wife, you know, she's a teacher, so I was like, you know, he knows a lot about stuff. What would you want me to talk about? And he, she said, well, you know, maybe it's not my problem at my school, but she's like the safety of everybody, you know, that would be on everybody's mind. And it's kind of like a blanket thing that mm-hmm. they all say too, because it's like, they don't want to ruffle feathers. So, right. I mean, and that's where you are now. Like keeping the kids safe. Where know? I am now. So after retirement, I knew I was going to have my own consulting firm because I wanted to continue on. I thought initially I was going to go in and, and really just continue on. I was doing mentoring teachers and, and administrators. So there's a lot of work out there for consultants to go in and advisorships and stuff where you can help. But I had an opportunity to come in with a company that approached me. I actually approached them because I had an inside uh, trader. You know, I had inside uh, trading on that one. I knew someone and they said, hey, you got to call this company. And they really looked at my background, being a former police officer, being a principal, being a COO, doing all the different things they're doing, and they're cutting into the market of weapons detection in schools, and they were just really ground level last year. They were into the NFL. Their big thing was uh, the the company's called Evolve, not with an E at the end, just E-V-L-L-V. Incredible, incredible team of people that are in this company up in Waltham, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. Phenomenal. And I, I spoke with the vice president of North America at the time. And, and since then, the company had gone, he just told me just recently, I mean, it went from 7% of education to almost 49, 50% of the company now is all education going into schools for this weapons detection. What, it, what the, the premise was initially was for fan experience going into the NFL. They were looking right. at, there's only 32 stadiums in the NFL. There's only 32 in the NFL, uh, Major League Baseball. You know, there's only 32 in you know, hockey. So they were going into museums. They were going into hospitals. They have a huge, uh, now with uh, factories and facilities out there, it, it, it's across the board. They're, they're, they're in every area as far as safety of having a free-flow system where you can literally walk through the system and not being wanted like you're going through an institution, like you're going into a prison, where it's a free-flow, where it actually will pick up on the actual metal and the shapes of the different guns. It's basically, we're calling it weapons detection, is really gun detection for mass shootings. Sure. So um, I looked at that in my background. I'm thinking, boy, I'm interested. I spoke with... Uh, Met the CEO and the the vice president of North America at the time, and I go on, boy, I, I would I would love to be part of the team, and they hired me as a consultant, and I, it's been it's been a powerhouse for the last several months. 
to the point now we're looking into the first quarter of this this year for Evolve. It's like uh, I'm I'm really elated. I, I'm traveling all over the country talking to superintendents and principals. Going, I went to a board meeting up in Racine, which is south of Milwaukee, just last month. Turned out very successful. They ended up going with the unit. Buffalo, fortunately looked at it and said, yes, you know, we're, we're, we're going to go with this. And going back to what your wife was saying and different people saying, hey, it's not in this neighborhood, this is one of the things I say as, as, as obviously a former police officer and principal. I look at everybody and say, look, at, I want everybody to think about this. this is at ev any night, any day, any part of the month, any part of the year, there could, anything could happen in any household, in any town, any village, any city in this country that could change the face of a school the next morning, depending on domestic violence, depending on fights, between violence out on the street, if it was, you know, wherever it is, and that could be brought into any school from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. And that's the piece that we have to look at this is prevention versus reaction. Right now, oh, yeah. I was in charge yeah. of, I was- We're all reactive. So it's, we're in a reactive world. Mm -hmm. As a police officer, it was a reactionary world. It wasn't proactive. This actually has something with Evolve where I look at it as totally as the same as a fire alarm system. We spend millions of dollars for sprinkler systems, fire alarm systems. We have to have eight fire drills a, a year by law. Now they've gone to four emergency response or lockdown drills in schools for active shooters. But okay, so that's after the fact. An active shooter is the guy's already in the, he's already in the school. We're in a lockdown, shots fired. You know, we're, 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 we're in this mode of reactive, like, let's train for what because happened. Yeah. something happened instead of saying, let's keep the guns out of the schools in the first place. Right. So now the, the, the owners, the ones that started Evolve, thought about this after Parkland and uh, they're related and they're in Boston. So they're very close to the uh, marathon, uh, the Boston Marathon bombing. Yeah. So the, the system itself will pick up on incendiary type elements of bombs and stuff like you can walk through with your backpack. You could have your, your you could have all your books and all your stuff in your backpack. You can walk right through. It's not like you're an institutionalized kid thinking, oh, we got to go yeah, through here and here we go. Yeah, so it's a free flow. Yeah. So it's the whole idea of the fan experience going into a stadium. Same thing with students. Ninety nine percent of the students are great kids that are coming in and want to learn. Mm -hmm. But what do they have to do? Stop. Pull your hands up. You know, we got to search. What's you. this? Yeah. What's this? What's that? Instead of going, no, let's change that. It's dynamic. a boondoggle. Right. Yeah. So, and what, what that, what I'm saying is, and again, this is my, been my voice for several months now, is it basically is reducing the anxiety, the depression, and the fear in kids when they are knowing that, wow, one thing that's gone in this school, we know that going through there, we don't have any guns in the school. If teachers are thinking there where there's a fear or a possible something that happened mm -hmm. the night before, we're Charlotte Mecklenburg is one of the largest districts to just there are over 100 units down in Charlotte Mecklenburg, a huge district. They had a, a fourth grader, the fourth grader had a, a loaded uh, gun in one of the backpacks. It wasn't malicious, it wasn't someone that was going to come in for a, a, a uh, where he was going to shoot up the place, but it was just in his book bag because a lot of them down there they go out target shooting and stuff yeah. like that, and it happened to be his brother's book bag instead of the wrong one who's the older brother. You know, all these different things are going on. There's different scenarios. I don't know if that was the actual scenario was the brother, but it was definitely innocent that he wasn't coming in to shoot play, but it was right. still a gun. Yeah, and it this got system, in the building. somebody could have seen it, grabbed definitely. it, and yeah. Correct. So they're they're finding guns all over the country now. That the, the system is a kid just ran from. He had the bag and they caught it and he took off and it was just in just the other the other day. So it's working. 
I think it's going to be great for Buffalo because, again, my big piece to the system is not about, I'm not a salesman, so it's about the social-emotional effects for teachers and students and parents and everybody knowing that we have a safe environment for kids to start learning again yeah. instead of worrying about... That the system works. Yeah. And that you're not putting up a bluff right. like, I don't want to protect these people or right. whatever. It's like, I'm a police officer. Exactly. I was a principal. I worked with teachers. Right. I know the... I know oh, the dangers of, you know. I definitely know the culture and the fabric of schools across mm-hmm. uh, the, the country, and I've been there, you know. So that's been my life for the last 42 years, you know, working with them. How many they, How many will the city have? They're starting out right now with every school. There's gonna oh, be they're going to do every school. They're huh? doing K-12, K through 12, yeah. All the high schools right now, they've deployed all the high schools, and we're going go live tomorrow. Actually, I'm going for Evolve tomorrow. I'm, I'm going in uh, with – actually, Inc. Lab is the actual – uh, company here in Western New York that's the company that's the purveyor of the systems. We, they, we have a, th- a system that's called uh, Channels that you have different channels all over the country that are selling the actual equipment. Evolve is the mother company. Mm-hmm. Inc. Lab actually was formed, which is an educational company for flat screens and all this stuff, and they saw this thing going, hey, let's come into the safety piece of it too. So, I, so I'm one of their consultants also for Inc. Lab locally. So they're the purveyor here, but Evolve is the overall product itself, the Evolve Express. So again, we're, we're going live tomorrow morning at uh, iprep at seven they have it uh, at highmark a form of it and if the they tested it highmark they they have a couple different units there uh but they tried it out and i think they're still in negotiation with it to see if it's going to go to right now it's in seven or eight nfl stadiums because we need a smoother way in i mean there. it's been per- <laughs> it's i went fabulous. to the last couple games and it's been smooth i don't know if they are using it or not but it's been better for sure or i'm just Cashing in my tailgate a little yeah, bit right. earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I got to ask you this. There's a couple things that uh, people have wanted me to pass on. Let's talk about the busing. Busing. Busing in Buffalo has always been a problem. Right. Not a problem, but a, people take shots at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems shysty. <laughs> I said laid law when you walked in. That's yeah, how showing your age, man. Laid law, man. Showing your age. <laughs> and and talk. Talk about the bus company. Well, let's talk about the bus companies, and we'll go from there. I actually have nothing to really say about the bus company having basically, you know, first student has a, a remarkable record nationally, and they're doing some incredible stuff there with it. But when it comes to different contracts, and and I, I, I've always had issues with isolated contracts where you have no-compete contracts and and I, I can't say emphatically that it's still a no-compete, but I believe it still is. If it's not, I apologize, but I think it's pretty much that mm-hmm. way. Uh, but when you're spending $250 million for a five-year contract to transport 20,000 students to school, uh, you better have a better product and not put it back on, oh, no, we're going to change the teacher schedule to accommodate the kids' schedule, and it's not about the buses. I, I, was, very, I was very distraught with this as being a – a teacher-supported principal in Buffalo listening to this thing where even politicians were getting involved. And I, and I have a lot of respect for some of them here. Well, one, one of them I don't have too much respect for, but <laughs> the leader of the city I have a lot of respect for. And he, you know, even with them saying, hey, we really have to start talking about this and really saying it. But there was no one for the other side saying, hold it, wait a minute. This, right. is, this is about 
a bus company. This is not about a teacher's contract, and it's not, oh, it's always the teachers getting some, oh, you know, let, let, let the teachers that already have babysitting at 8.30 in the morning, oh, no, you now you got to start at 7.30, so you got to be there at 7. Uh, oh, they want to change the bells. Right, right. right. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's like they think, they, they think everybody is like, they think Phil Moore is the Antichrist, and he's got one job. He's there to support the teachers and to support the union, and everybody thinks, oh, you know, it's all union stuff. And there's a lot of holes in a lot of union things all over the country, but in this case here, when it comes to the teachers, no, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend the teachers on this one. I'm thinking that if you're spending that kind of money. There's got to be other ways to find other bus drivers and find, and it's tough. You're just a lot of people are not doing it. They don't want to be transporting kids, and especially with the COVID, a lot of elderly, older uh, ladies and gentlemen are are in fear of that. They don't want that wanna, bus driver's you know, gone too. Yeah, that old bus driver and yell at you. He's gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, get they, out of my parking lot. <laughs> right, right. They're all gone. They're done. So, like I seen, uh, I seen a real young kid. He had no idea what he was doing, and. I mean, across the board, you can't find anyone that wants to do these jobs anymore. So now we're just going to. Yeah, adapt. it's not a passion job. Uh, you no know, pet. it's not like teaching. It isn't. It, it yeah. isn't. And, and, and that's the flip side. I wish I, I was that where I had a little bit of voice during this whole entire debauchery these last two months because it literally, even nationally, I mean, it's going where it's a, it's a national slam on teachers you know, all different stories across the country, though. Oh, the teachers are doing this. The teachers, are, well, no, there's there's union reps that are, are, are sort of swayed a little bit different parts of the country. But this here, specifically Western New York and in specific the city of Buffalo, it it's hundreds of millions of dollars in contracts of a company that should be responsible. And it's tough, though. You're in a catch-22 because if you can't physically get the bus drivers, okay, what do you do? So the next best thing is, oh, okay, let's screw with the teachers and let's change right. their whole day because they don't do anything anyways. My ass. Right. And that's really the teachers are some up. of the hardest working. Uh, I'm telling you right now, I'll, I'll put them against anybody. I'll put them against anybody. Yeah, you think about, like, even, I mean, I know they haven't had a con they don't have a contract and all this stuff, too, but, like, who else has a 27-step job oh it's absurd like there's nobody else it's like it's nothing in the right. front end right you know you, you get your pension in the end you know it's right. back loaded on, on the back loaded end of you can go and survive your 30 years but the 30 years from 20 years ago to go 30 years and what it is now to go 30 years now and and, and again now that with tier six that como brought in uh basically is basically the 401k i mean it's like it's the same it's like it, they just take care of it for you but there's a lot of there's a lot of holes in that i mean as far as teachers now that they have to go um it's it's it, it's a tough situation, and and I will I I'll I'll, I'll defend any prof of any profession I'm going to defend is going to be police officers, firefighters, and teachers for sure. Yeah. Except for I wrote a new comedy bit about how you have to stop sticking up for police officers online because online I, if you just no. stop just In stop person. no no just stop like if if you you don't have to say these police officers need the don't, you don't have to because. They will forgive. They, they're not looking at your social media. They're going to help everybody anyways. They're just unconditionally. going to help. Unconditionally. Unconditionally. Help. Yeah. So you don't need to go on the Internet and say, support our police. Because like, right. they don't. They don't right. They're to not going to care. Yeah. They're going to yeah. help anybody yeah. at any moment. That actually, most bloggers and most tweeters and all that, they do it for themselves. 
Right. It, I mean, that's it's really what I mean. make themselves yeah. feel bad. It's, hey, look what I just did today. Oh, I just yeah. praised, you know, the different things that praise are going the on. teachers because they I mean, might think, need think, it a little bit. Think they about the tragedy fire. in this country in one oh, week in Buffalo to Jesus. raise seven million dollars in less than a week for a tragedy. A, a tragedy. I mean, an incredible story. And this guy's coming out of it. I mean, to yeah. look at the coach and the quarterback today, it was just overwhelming. But you're right. I don't know how much they really care about any of this stuff, but this Themself, guy getting better yeah. and what they're doing. You know, I mean, it's like you talk yeah. about a team. There's the concept going back to teamwork. There's the essence of a team, man. I'm telling you, it's yeah. really, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I hope these, I hope they turn around and help that family that was here. Well stated. Yeah. yeah. Well they, stated. How about that? Uh, seven million in one week, and here's lost. What can five. we do for that family? I, I, hope, exactly. I hope they turn around and. Let's parlay know. some of the seven million into yeah. that and make that a million. And I, you know, you don't have, you shouldn't have to go out and say that. <laughs> you no. Know, you don't have to be the guy. Well, you know, know what? It's interesting because there was just something on the radio. There was just something today that someone brought it up um, just that way. It's up over $100,000, but still, I mean, think about it. Five in, 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 oh, yeah, I don't in one tragic, you know, just tra tragic. Horrible. But, I mean, think about Buffalo in, in, in general just from Snowfall, we've had two major storms. COVID. You know? I mean, you got COVID. You're coming off of COVID. you got two major storms. You have this blizzard that comes up here. And then you had the mass shooting in, on May 14th. That was my secretary's, uh, my former secretary's husband. You know, so uh, oh, yeah. Aaron Salter. I mean, yeah. we went through all that coming down there. Wow. I mean, that. I mean, the, the, everyone was touched by that. I mean, yeah. everywhere in Western New York, if you were the far, between the fire department and the police, I mean, it was just tragic as can be. I had one of my students came in. They were under a car for a couple hours wow. waiting yeah. to get out, and the only reason she did, I actually told the reporter this from Channel Seven. I said, you know, you actually saved some girl's life there. She the only reason she got out. She saw the Channel Seven on the microphone. I said, it must be okay. Wow. Two, two hours. Oh. She was one night after the shot. It was terrifying. amazing. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah, amazing. My, my cousin in Edmonton, he uh, texts me. He goes, is lava going to start falling from the sky on Buffalo? Mm. You guys have had a rough go. And he's, you know, he's joking, but he isn't. You know, he's concerned. He goes, how's everybody doing? I'm like, dude, I haven't had a normal day in four years. Because <laughs> I'm in the, yeah. the restaurant business. I mean, think about it. Think yeah. about what has gone on. You look at this in the last several years. It's like, really? I mean, well, I think that's why everybody keeps on saying you the Buffalonians are the most resi resilient people probably in the country. I mean, as far as the stuff that we go through, although California's getting pounded right now. I was just telling them about the rain. I just San Jose. I have a, a woman that works for Evolve that she's the whole West Coast for Evolve. And she, I just texted her. I said, hey, you okay out there? She goes, is your snow melted? It, I said, it melted in three days. It's, <laughs> yeah. 50, it's 50 today. They can't believe it. You know, it was down to zero and, and it's like no snow anywhere. And, and they're getting pounded terrible out in the north, northern California. Mm -hmm. so. I was I, so we're we're talking about coping and stuff. What what tools you always hear about? Uh, counselors are at the school, talking with the children. What are they doing? Because I, I, I I'm mean, prejudiced I'm on gone. this. I'm prejudiced on this one. Okay, because yeah. I'm married to, and again, I'm really prejudiced one because I think I'm married to probably one of the. I, I think she to me again. I'm prejudiced because, and not just I'm married to her because I really do think she's she's probably one of the best elementary counselors probably in Western New York. She's a, oh okay. She's a counselor in uh, Sweet Home, and uh, you know she's just incredible. And we would we compare notes every night. Can you imagine being a crazy principal from Buffalo and a, and a counselor all these years? I mean, she and we go back and forth and back and forth, and we and we're like two bull weevils in a china shop. It's like oh, you gotta be kidding me, this and that. But she's incredible, and 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 she's very progressive with it. But we're very similar. Her, her and I are very similar. The, the craziest counselor in the area and the craziest principal in the area come in and have a, a good relationship because she's passionate about the kids. And it's it really is about all all of those elements of the social-emotional piece and, and the understanding of what these kids are going through. 
I mean, literally what they're going through between their family lives. You know, years ago, it was, oh, let's just have a banana split because the kids that were divorced and let's make you feel better and call it banana splits and <laughs> let's, have, let's have Sundays and bananas. Okay, all right, let's talk about divorce. Well, now 67% of the population are divorced, so that's sort of like no adage. But now with all the other things going on and all the pressures. Between, Pressure. Oh, my God. I mean, the bullying – all the different things, and my wife, I'll, I, again, I'll put her up against anybody. She doesn't take any of that. I mean, so it's sort of a counselor in one way, but it's like she's like the enforcer the other way as a counselor. Yeah. So my, my greatest part that she says is that, and you can see her where she's, she's tough, but the kids all want to have lunch with her. <laughs> well, that's you know, so good. it's like they want, yeah. kids want to have the accountability. You can see it as a perfect example of it. Yeah. And, and another part of it when it comes to elementary or high schools, you got it. You you got different infighting between adults. I mean, you get different things. So the dynamics, even within schools and different things, you you sort of. That's why I call myself almost like a maestro, as a principal, where you're actually, you're not the teacher, but you're sort of leading the. the you know, you got to make sure the oboes are playing with the bassoons. <laughs> you know, it's like, you got you got to keep everything all equal. And that's where it comes back to the the counselors. That's my whole big uh, movement right now with Evolve and the weapons detection. It's all about the counters. It's all about the social emotional. It's all about changing, as I said, it's all about changing the culture and the fabric of a school through building relationships. And where the adults are really charged with is building relationships with each other and in counter specifically, building relationships between student to student. Get the student voices out there. Um, I love some of the stories my wife says when she actually goes into the classroom. She's actually, she's a counselor, but she'll go in and actually do actual lessons on all of these different elements of the social emotional being and, you know, the well-rounded child, you know, and it's frustrating though. I mean, she gets frustrated too. I mean, and a lot of people do. I, I get frustrated all through the years as a principal thinking, oh my God, you know, here I'm at another funeral and we work so hard on this one, mm-hmm. you know, or <coughs> one of my students, you know, I think that's where my motivation was for a lot of the things I do as in my civic work uh, that I do. I mean, uh, one of our seniors was murdered a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember in MLK Park. Right. Um, she had a, a, a terrible, terrible situation there that she, incredible girl. She was going back to nursing school. She wanted to be a nurse. Uh, her mother was murdered when she was nine years old. I mean, just a tragic, tragic story. And then they had the boyfriend from the Congo, Mason Andrew, murdering her with his bare hands in the MLK Park. That motivated me to get into as a board member of the Family Justice Center, uh, which is dealing with all domestic violence, so that, and it's an incredible group of board members and people that are supporting all the domestic violence in Western New York. I've learned so much from them in the last year since that incident. But all these different incidences in my own life has actually carried me on into different areas. The Police Athletic League, I'm, I'm one of the board members of Police Athletic League, which is a critical piece, the components to really supporting the kids through athletics and stuff, you know, all year round. N- Nikia Kemp and the mayor, I mean, they... They have incredible stuff that they do. And that's why I think I have respect for a lot of the stuff that a lot of people don't. People want to actually look at the negative side of everything and saying, hey, whatever we can do to make it a better day, you know, yeah. for the kids I'd and love for to people. See, I, I think that's what they need in some of these neighborhoods is the PAL to be very active. That's a big key yeah. with the school system, extracurricular activities. How, you trick, do you trick the kids in the learning by letting them have fun now? Is right. that one of I, I, to be honest with you, I think going back to what I did, you know, what I was talking about before, the applied academics, having a crime scene in a classroom, literally I was tricking the kids of saying, hey, you're learning something right now, but you're doing, yeah. you're learning something through doing, and it was fun, and it was like, wow, inquisitive, and, and it, it, it various, it's a simple formula. If you have the people that have that, 
I mean, there was a, there was a great author. He wrote a book, The Fifth Discipline, 30 years ago. Peter Senge. He was one of my. I wrote about him in my dissertation. I mean, he he talks about the five disciplines of education. It can be with business too, of talking about you have to have a shared vision. You have to have mental models. You have to have a personal mastery of what you do. But you have to really think about life in a systemic way. Systems thinking, he called it. Systemically, what are we doing here, and what is our goal in a school? You know, what's our goal in a business like this? You know, what 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 is a goal for anything? You have to have a systemic thought process for everybody to be in that and if you can do that you bring that all together with your shared vision and your mental model what that looks like you can really have some movement in society and I think with education that's what we need to do more of the more people collectively collaboratively working together and saying hey let's just not do lip service here because that's what we're supposed to do for another 180 days of a school year what they call it, and give them two months off in the summer and let's start over again it's like a broken record you know it's it's, it's unfortunate People don't, you know, a lot of people, we just need to start going more back into that. That's what I'd like to start getting into in the consulting part, too. I mean, your boots on the ground, though. You know, a boots lot of, on the ground. You know, a lot of people don't think that way. Sometimes ideas don't get out because they're almost too focused on, like, an inward, you know, I'm going to do this or that rather than I'm going to be a part of something. It's like it's mm -hmm. almost like people want to do something, like, that's personally their own when, like, you should mm -hmm. just get out and be a part of a solution or be a mm -hmm. part of, you know, go into the... Think about this. It's easy to donate $100 to GoFundMe. Mm -hmm. $7 million in a week. That's a lot of donations for a lot of people that are giving to a cause that is totally worthy, but it's simplistic. Right. It's noble and it's incredible, but it's simplistic. How many of those $7 million donations would think about... Hey, let's go on the east side. We're going to go to the soup kitchen this week. We're going to go out and we're going to work one night or something. We're going to let, let's see what's actually going out there. Why don't we do some volunteering? Why don't you come in and let, let's do some stuff where we do some collaborative stuff in the schools and stuff like that. We're not looking society, just society-wise as an entire country of saying, what do we do, again, collectively yeah. for everybody to come together? Because it's like the technology Correct. and right. that combining. Like, yeah, you electronically gave this you covid uh, covid this. covid did something that is still going back to our normal right now we went two years of remote everybody's back to over oh, back to in person and remote was nothing to me what we learned from remote i look at it as a blessing in many ways to expand on we're shortage of teachers all over the country but if you were a, a physics teacher and one school across the city of Buffalo doesn't have a physics teacher, but there's six kids that want to take physics, and they can't get into that school because there's too many kids. Let's go remote with you where you're teaching physics live with the six kids over here, and you can start gerrymandering yeah. different things around and start using technology the way it really should be used, and you can have it set up. We have a screen. Actually, Inc. Labs, the one that's doing the actual purveying of the uh, – the uh, weapons detection actually have a screen. It's called Tiger Screen that you can be at the back of every classroom, and it'd be live from kids that are remote on their com computers. Yeah. Now you can use it in many ways. You can right. use it for even discipline. You want to be a bully? Okay, you know what? You're going to be remote this week. You you, you want to get in a fight? Okay, you know what? You can't function in the school. You're going to be remote this week. You have to have some kind of behavior modification, and you have to have some might to it. And remote actually could be a huge tool to change the behaviors of these kids that just want to come to school just to fight and want to do all these things. Yeah. Okay, you know what? You can't function until you do function. You're going to be there on that screen from your home. They'll get sick of that real quick. But we don't have that. But what happens then if home isn't structured? Well, that's that was yeah. the downside of that, the whole pandemic. Right. Yeah. yeah, because right. how many kids do you know that just said, 
Right. I ain't doing it. Well, and there's the same kids that aren't doing it physically in the school either. They're the ones that are right. bullying and doing this right. stuff. So it's a catch-22 in many ways administratively and law, saying, well, kids have to be educated. Well, that's a, that's a loose discussion of what education is to someone that comes to school just to bully all day and doesn't do anything all day long or comes in at 10 o'clock in the morning late, misses the first two periods, goes on to gym and maybe to lunch and do a few other things. They go, you know, 120 days out of the year because they're absent another 60. Uh, their year is shot anyways, but they still get credits because people want to move on. And it's a broken system. Yeah. It's a broken Did system. anybody ever approach you to be the union president? <laughs> the union president? Yeah. Oh, God, no. No, the union. You're no. too outside the box. Well, no, the union president. As far as the administrators or for teachers? For teachers. Oh no, no, no. The te- the teaching union right now. Uh, I mean, again, and I and I again, I'm going to go back to Phil. I mean, Phil. A lot of people, you know, either you like them or you, you don't like them. For many reasons, there's a lot of people who don't like Kevin Eberle. Some people like me. And the teachers, <laughs> the teachers that ever worked with me, I think there's very few that will say, man, that guy was just a jerk, you know. But you know, the the jury's out when it talks to public opinion of what they think the job is. Mm-hmm. The, the union leader you know, is a, a tough position to represent the collective group. And it's, it's a bad taste for a lot of people thinking, oh, my God, I'm, you know, I'm going every day. I'm busting my butt. You know, I'm going 60 hours a week, and I get these people here. They're sitting there, and they're, you know, they're, you know, they, they have a cakewalk. You know, and it, mm-hmm. it's just not that way. You come in and take any person that wants to trade your wife's position and taking kids on for a week. Yeah, no way. No, no possible way they could. Right. She comes you home know. and treats me like a kid. There you go. She yeah. still has <laughs> the. Wait, wait, she's you know, still in the mode. And, was and that's what out. that's yeah. what you're supposed to be. That's yeah. exactly right. And yeah. she needs that. So let her be. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that really. Those are the tough things. Union leaders and stuff. I mean, really, again, go back to the master, that personal mastery and the skill set. You learn stuff. I'm the I'm the older guy here. You know, I mean, someone there's sixty. You go forty two years in life. You have a lot of stories to tell. You got a lot of experiences to tell, and you got a lot of things that you can actually pass on to people but if you don't have the audience and you don't have the people there that really want to listen you're basically it's just words and also you have to have the experience of doing things wrong oh you know if if you haven't made failure is the best way because you're going to tell somebody never do this man my (laughs) father my one of my father's favorite lines or my father god rest his soul he's been gone for over 20 years he used to say he says you know just remember this the vicissitudes of life is what formulate our life's goals and what the vicissitudes are are the low points on your lifeline so you can have high points you know marriage kids you're all go up there well then you lose a job rock bottom that's a that's a valley that's a vicissitude you come back up you know something gets hurt goes back down those low points in life is what really formulate our real true character you gotta dust yourself off i was just listening to scorsese that's right he's like i'm in a position to help somebody but he's like do you go and help somebody when this is the, what their story's about. You know, this is what makes them the person that, right. you know, right. I could take that away if I could just help them at now. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the piece if we can get more people thinking down that way, which it's, it's tough because, again, just human nature and just the human spirit and where everybody is because most are looking at trying to make ends meet and trying to get through the week and trying to, you know, pay the bills and a lot of stuff. So a lot of it's lost and they're, they're not listening to the right things. You know, they're not listening to anything at all. They're not really versed. I love it when you see different, you know, uh, reporters out on the street corner asking just basic historical questions. Yeah. On the street. It's like comical. Like, going, <laughs> uh, do you, do you, can you name one Supreme Court justice? You know, who's the vice president of the United States right now? I mean, you know, what, what you know, it's, you know, a- 
anything about our structure. Do you know who the governor is right now? Do you know any council member of Buffalo? Do you know any of your representatives mm-hmm. of your town you live in? I would say right now there are many adults that don't know their representatives oh, in their villages oh, and towns right. that they don't vote for, so they don't even know. So, I mean, we're just not in touch with what we really should be doing as a collective body of human beings and citizens of our own areas, and that's that's the piece. That's the microcosm of schools that have been bastardized for years, thinking what's very easy to point at schools. That's, that's the problem. You know, every time I hear, oh, schools are in trouble, oh, but, you know, the, the Buffalo schools suck and, and all this stuff. Really, you come in and take a look and see what some of the kids are doing. Yeah, there's a lot of ways we have to go and we got to really create stuff, but that's across the country. It's not just here at Buffalo, you know. You know, or, or, or slamming, slamming the mayor for like, oh, man, you know, every storm or anything like that. Yeah, okay, you know, every, every village and town street, you can't park on the streets. That's why you can plow them. Yeah. You know, you, you go in there and you're going to slam a guy yeah. going, oh, we would have had that done. Like, oh, my God, give it's me a like break. It's like you just – he just got the worst-case scenario. I mean, <laughs> Shit you, you just literally kept just totally. saw the and worst slam case him? scenario. No, like, no. Yeah. It just, it's just sad. Plus, on his worst day. You yeah. don't know what the mayor's going on in his life either. Right. And, and I'm the same guy to say, well, if you want to sit at the top of the Yeah, table, someone's going to take a shot. You got to take the shots. But let's be a little bit compassionate here. Yeah. He's a nice guy. Maybe. Well, it's not even, and I don't even know if compassion is the right word with this. It's really just being, being you know, uh, again, collaborative, saying, where I wanted to come back on this, I'm not even going to mention the guy's name because I, I just, it, it just sort of sickens me to think of the whole episode. But, if you're, if you're going to sit there and say, oh, well, we're going to have to take over operations because we know when we have a better. Well, no, you're not going to take over operations. But you know what? Did you actually say, well, because he wasn't at a meeting. Well, OK, so how many uh, how many county plows were in the city helping? Yeah. We call them Lego hair here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I like it. Fucking yeah, I like it. I mean, yeah, because like, like I, I just think, you know, across the board, you know, I don't think that it's equipment. I don't think it's I mean, no. it, it's those things. But like just, we need like the best grant writers we need people that are like if you if you're gonna pay somebody pay a grant writer if you're gonna pay somebody two hundred fifty thousand dollars in the city pay somebody that's gonna get us 20 million dollars yeah that's cool get us some of those snow melting machines at each end of each corner so they can just start dumping the snow (laughs) in these snow melters into the ditch and you know uh, uh, there's so many different things but again to go and personalize it like you're some pooba he did it the same thing with covid he thought he was the grand pooba on the 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 royalty Uh of uh, it was it was painful it was painful yeah but that's but my own opinion. Talk, talk but then I, I like that a lot of people stayed in their lanes during COVID too. You know, like they did, and then and now it seems like the lanes aren't there anymore oh, because no. of COVID. You know, oh, it's right. like now right. I'm crossing every lane. The right. one thing with COVID is you had Karen, Karen bitching about your mask. Karen, <laughs> they, they, the Karens. You remember they? Oh yeah. They take pictures of you. Yeah. Well, you know who you see now? Yeah. Her asshole husband Kyle. <laughs> that was that was. They had to put up with her yelling and screaming. Well, now no one wants to listen to her. So now he's got to <laughs> yeah, say something. Yeah, right. And that poor guy. Oh, I feel yeah. bad for Kyle. Oh, my God. The, the other thing I wanted to touch on, and yeah. this, this was this was really cool. When I was a kid, they, they uh, 90s Bills and Dare. No one hated cops when I was a kid. Why don't the Buffalo Police, maybe they do, I'm not sure. Why don't we get them into the schools? Get the kids familiar with them. Use athletes to trick them. You know what I'm trying to say, Kev? There's a really tough. There's a tif- that that is a great question, and I don't want to sound um, curt about this. But back with Dare, and 
all all the different all the different clubs that were there to sort of enhance you know awareness a lot of awareness type programs and like that is so far down the list of different things because of the violence and the and the the, the critical safety of the streets himself even right directly around the, the schools i mean i had a direct shootout and you know literally across the street at at dismissal last year right before i retired Oh, yeah. Literally a gunshots. It was the day before the McKinley shooting that the security mm-hmm. guard was out, and we, you know, we got coverage. Police responded and everything, but it was nothing. Never made the news or anything like that. It was, it was an outright shootout in front of the school, and it's like they're inundated. The police department is inundated with stuff like this every single night with, with violence. You know, with with shots fired and a lot of things that they're going all the time. They. I don't even think they would have the numbers to even think about. Tommy Champion, I don't know if you know Tommy Champion. Tommy yeah. Champion is a great, great guy. He did the eulogy. Uh, he, well, Chief Richards was there when we were there with uh, Officer Laner. I was at the, I represented the school district. Solemn, solemn time in our in our day in the city. And when and Tommy got up there, I said, "This guy, he's the real deal." I mean, as far as really talking about. You know the the civic part of it and the, the the service part of the the department and and he's doing that now he's in with net and all the different things now with the, the neighborhood engagement teams and and uh they're trying different things but they don't have a, uh, there's just not enough personnel i mean the officer base right now in buffalo is down and, and they they need people in the cars on out, out of sure. in the districts um i think to to have a caveat to that scenario does it have to be specifically police being the one to do that where there could be different people, as you say, different athletes, different people that could go into it, but there has to be a skill set there too. There's a lot of officers, you know, it is even firefighters. There's guys you go, going to different domestics or something like that, or going to, you're going to a shooting, you're going to a cutting or different things. Like that. Like, oh my God, this is a holy hell. And there's a lot of firefighters, especially the younger ones. They have no idea. They weren't trained in that to actually mm-hmm. deal with the personality part of it. You learn on the job. Type yeah. stuff. Same thing with police officers. Some of them really don't want to deal Some with kids. Some don't want to talk. They don't want to talk, and they want to talk they to kids either because they're talking to kids out on yeah. the street. So when they come into the school saying, well, I'm not a teacher, he says, get up against a car or something like this. So yeah. it's tough. There's a lot of incredible. Again, I'm with teachers that comes with the police officers. Police officers, I, I will back every single one of them all the way to the end unless they kill someone, you know, in the wrong way. Right. Yeah. There's good and there's but bad. There's, there's good and bad, and yeah, that's true and in that's every the profession. Division. Yeah, there's in every profession. So that's the part that it's unfortunate but I wish there was more of that. I don't, I'm not really answering your question as far as what no, should we no. do, but yeah. I wish there was more of that. And I think maybe maybe we do delve into it a little more, like deeper. Like like, like this this miracle that is happening here with This Hamlin guy's right got now. an opportunity, you imagine the opportunity to be a positive. Oh. If he can never play, he could go around on speaking tours. Yeah. I mean, that I, uh, I, it happens I, a lot. I love that you had a, a great uh, guy on this pod, uh, Pat Morris. Now, here's yeah. a guy that's been all over the country, uh, great great friends, my brother, with, with the Mulberry, and all the different things these guys are all connected with. There's a guy right there that we talked about, and I talked to him about it uh, in a lot of different ways, is when you look at the, the mentoring of athletes across the country that needs to be done, it's the same thing with, like, different role models and stuff. Think about the ones, and, and God help us that, that Hamlin's going to be okay where, you know, and speaking too quick to see if he's even able to even come back and depend on where it's at. But think about all the athletes, the ones that don't even make it, but they were superstars from Little League all the way up to college, and they don't make it to the pros, or the ones that make it one year or two years and then mm-hmm. they're done. There's a real major trauma across this country of just self-esteem, and what do they all do after that? There's a lot of athletes. There's a whole group of people that never really make it the big time in there and they go through life and they go, okay, now what do we do next? You know, and it's like, 
there was there was one of the players out in Denver, and I was on Denver a few months ago, and he has an actual program. He's one of the Denver Broncos. He only played a couple of years though, but he realized because he went to the University of Colorado and different things, and they're saying we have to have a support group for this whole part of society that doesn't know anything else but fame and you know not fortune because they didn't make it, but yeah. fame and as far as break, being a, yeah. you know, hockey players that started four years old and they're superstars and they don't know anything else and they don't go to college because they, you know, they barely <laughs> finish high school and go on. And if they don't make it to the big leagues, then what? Sort of like Moneyball, you know, yeah, you went right yeah. to the, went right to the team instead of going to Stanford. I mean, it's a great movie to bring this stuff up as far as what are the choices we make in life because of the almighty dollar and what are the things, the opportunity that people are going to mostly jump on that. That's what I love the story about Shaquille O'Neal. I don't know if you know about Shaq. I know he was a military kid. He's one of okay. my favorite actors. No, I know you know, Shaquille, <laughs> great, great actor. Shaquille O'Neal, I don't know if you know this, but he, uh, I, I read an article on him talking about he really was getting frustrated when he was at the table and he, it was his voice and his, his vision, you know, his, his body that was the actual commercial. But no one was talking to him. He goes, oh, I'm not going to go into saying like that. And he went back He went back and got an educational doctorate, a real one, not, a, not an honorary. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He's got a doctorate in education. Isn't it something that, like, they told him they wouldn't have the class without a certain amount of people, so he, he just got his family to go and yeah. sit in class yeah. and that he was paid for him. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> Incredible. He's awesome. So there's a guy there that absolutely is a force of nature when it comes to philanthropy, all these other things. He's got the humor, but he's got the education behind him that if we could replicate that, and more and more athletes realize that, this really is an opportune. I mean, I, I yeah. hate to even bring it up right now. Let's let's make sure this guy that sounds some great signs today. Sure. Yeah. Just incredible signs. I just love it. It's sort of interesting as far as bringing prayer back to the world, too. Yeah, everybody's When I praying. see more of these guys, and you, know, you hear more godly people now that has gone so many different directions. I think that's sort of a good feeling. It's like, hey, people, you know, the, the power of prayer is pretty interesting. It really is. Yeah. It's it, – you got miracles and tragedies. Yeah. And the, I mean, the one thing we talked, we talked to Sheriff Garcia about that. Oh, he's the greatest. He's great. And he mm-hmm. kind of even looked at us with the same, when I asked him that question, he kind of looked at me like, I never thought of that. Yeah. Maybe we should go back to, cause that was big in the eighties. Oh yeah. Kelly smelled like booze when he came into my school. <laughs> 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 oh, that was pretty accurate probably too. Yeah. No, but you go with John Garcia. Let me tell the sheriff, there's no question about it. I think he would be very open to that thing. So that might be another caveat to this because the dare, they, I mean, you have dare it's and all the different right? out in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. So why can't it be where, you know, yeah. the city can adapt to some different mutual aid type stuff. Let's get some people yeah. in there and get some different things. That's a very good point. Yeah. I just say fill the uh, at large seats. Yeah, with, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna know, run for council at the at large. Yeah, fill the at large. Oh. So, you know, I'm announcing right now. Nice, yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's already a cool name too. At large. I know. Yeah, I get, yeah, I gotta yeah, stop yeah. eating the sauce. Tell them large oh, merge. <laughs> well, that, that's the case. And what am I, gargantuan <laughs> or what? Jeez, <laughs> the heck. No, but well, it seems like everything turn, turns around to education or uh, you know the school system it, for you. It's passion still. It ultimately is what it's all about. You know, when you when you start talking about you know, teaching when you, and I, you, it's a simple thing. You can go to any teacher and you ask them, this is, what do you teach? And if they're high school, most will say, oh, I teach math. I teach social studies. The great ones, I teach kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not about the subject. Mm-hmm. It's about teaching the student. 
I like to see them unwind too. We used to have a bar. We need. Oh. <laughs> We'd have the last day of school. We call teachers gone wild. They kind of did something like that here this year. Let me tell you right now, it's you have great. something totally here for that. But I will tell you, we were legendary on the west side there with Co- with the Cozumel. When the Cozumel, oh, the Cozumel. Yeah, I remember that. On Elmwood yeah. from Gro- Oh, I can't even go into that with the principal joining the teachers there. You're not supposed to do that. But, really, uh, you're not supposed to do that. I guess you're not supposed to. But I broke the, I, I broke the rules my whole life. It's a good know, rule like, to break. Yeah. Because you got to have the camaraderie. Yeah. You know, you got to uh, be there. Oh my Support. god. Yeah. Give me, give me one thing you would like to see different in Buffalo schools right now. And obviously, we want safety and everything. Outside the box, a Kevin answer here. Well, that is probably the $64,000 question right there. So what, in my own opinion for the Buffalo schools, I think, you know, and it sounds like the old cliche, and a lot of people hate it when you start talking about transparency, but most people hate it too because it's like a like overused word, but – I think in in the city, there's no real mutual conversations of the other 96 school districts in Western New York to the city. I mean, there's there's 98 to 100 school districts from Wilson to Jamestown. Wow. With Buffalo in the middle of it, and people don't know it. And every one of them have incredible students. Every one of the valedictorians of every suburban school district are absolutely phenomenal. The thing about Buffalo, the valedictorian of every school in the city of Buffalo are phenomenal too. But unfortunately, they have more stories to tell. And I think the collaboration piece, we should go more regional. I I mean, I I wish there was something there was, I wanted to do that a lot. And I'll I'll give you an example of this. They have the uh, Erie County um, Association for uh, School Administrators. They put on um, the top three student dinner at Sel- at, at uh, Oh yeah, Sel- I've Fran- seen that. They, they're at um, Salvatore's every year. So when I was at Grover, and this is a perfect example of regionalizing some things as far as thought process and support. For some reason, through the years, I used to take a burn on this as the Grover principal because. We had 300 English language learners. Back then, they were English as a second language, ESL, they called them. 300 out of the 1,200 were ESL. Every year, all three, top three students were ESL students. Really? They were either from, you know, Burma or Somalia or Asia. I mean, Indian. I mean, all of them were brilliant because they looked at education from refugee camps as, as their soul, and they just took it to the different level from our kids here. We had some other brilliant kids in the top 10. But it was mostly the top three that were immigrants from all over the world. And I noticed the few first few dinners, always the principal had to go with the top three. So the first three years, I started looking at it, I'm thinking, why are they putting Grover with Buffalo Sem and Nardens? And, you know, one year was sitting there and stuff like that. With my three kids, that the top valedictorian might be going to ECC because she's still learning English, but she's going to mm-hmm. go to ECC, but she's the valedictorian. So the conversation, I was thinking, like, they don't get this. I mean, how do you she give a valedictorian that's got an 89 average that really, and we start explaining it. And, and it really, it, it had a bad taste for me the first couple of years. So I got prepared the one year. Uh-oh. And I knew it was going to happen. So I went in there, and the three kids, I'll never forget it, Dramadur. Dramadur was from um, Kathmandu. Hutu was from Burma. And Dali was from Somalia. So I had one Somalia and one Burmese and one from Kathmandu for Nepal. So we go in there, and sure enough, who are we sitting with? 
we're sitting with Nichols, Nardens, and um, either Mount St. Mary's or, or Sacred Heart. Say it was Sacred Heart. So they're all going. So we go in there and said, every you know, the little small talk, and these three are sitting here. I have them loaded for bear. I said, look it, you guys get ready. I want you all to talk about what you did in your old countries. I reeled them in like a mackerel. It was like, so the first ones are going, I says, hey, where are you guys, ladies? How you doing? Where are you going? Where are you going? The ones from uh, Buff Sam or wherever, not Buff Sam, it was like from Holy Angel. And they go, oh, yeah, you know, one's going to Yale and one, you know, one's going to go to Caltech. One going to Caltech was number one in the country. I go, oh, my God. You know, the other school comes along. Where are you going? Oh, um, one's going to go to UBO. Another one's going to Brown. Another one's going to, you know, uh, of the table, most were Ivy League. Mm-hmm. Top in their, because the parents and everybody has been. So where are you guys going? Well, I think I'm going to go to ECC. And, and, and they're all looking at it like whatever. But I saw it was a setup. I wanted them to tell them where mm-hmm. they're going to go. And I says, well, I think I'm going to UB. The one was, who did get accepted. And then the other one's ECC or N triple. I say, Dramadur. You tell the ladies here, says, what was one of the interesting things you did in your, your hometown or what you didn't like about school? I hated reading under the kerosene lamp. And they're all sitting there, and they have their cameras, and they go, what do you mean? He says, well, and he was fluent. He goes, my favorite book was Catcher in the Rye, but I hated when I was when I was, you know, reading, and the flickering of the kerosene lamp really gave it tough for me. And they go, well, where are you from? He says, I'm from Kathmandu, Nepal. And their eyes all over from Kathmandu. <laughs> then the next one from India. I said, hey. And I knew his father was in demolition with forests, but they used elephants. I said, tell him what your father, what you guys did and everything. What do you do when you go back home? They're, oh, yeah, you know, I, have, you know, I, I have a construction company, my father. And he said, well, tell him how you actually clear the forest. Well, with our elephants. And all <laughs> the girls are going, oh, my God. And then the third one was talking about goat herding up in Burma where there's three different dialects of Chin, Karin, and Burmese and Burma. And she went into all the dialect. Our table was the most famous out of all the schools of the 90, or, or how many, 60 some schools in, in, in the area that, where that was huge room. And our kid, they were taking pictures. They wanted pictures. They equalized because it was regionalized instead of separatism. It was regionalized yeah. by incredible stories mm-hmm. and that's the story that need to be heard about the kids in buffalo there's so many incredible stories that they've gone through from refugee camps from all these different things and i think a lot of the kids really need to hear these stories out yeah. in the suburbs and all the things real world experience real world experiences you know yeah. just incredible my favorite one of it all is my daughter she was in third grade we were, you know, we grew, they were raised in hamburg in the village and and probably my favorite i was a principal grover and she had to come and had to do a project she was sitting at home one night she said hey dad we're going i got to do a project on africa and i, I take the paper and i said what do you mean what do you got to do paper? well i got to take a you know one of the one i'll never forget it she goes yeah i have i have uh, somalia egypt or nigeria i can pick one of those countries i said you're gonna pick somalia well, you're going to tell me. I said, well, Egypt, everybody does the pyramids. You don't want to do that. The yeah. Sphinx, that's old. <laughs> Nigeria, there's some stuff in you. you can talk about the French-speaking stuff. These, but I'm going to have you do Somalia because you can compare it to Buffalo. She goes, what are you talking about? And you know, she's only third grade. I said, well, go to a map. I show her a map. I said, the very tip of Lake Erie we live at, the very tip of the eastern shore of Africa is Somalia. So you don't need to have borders or anything. You can say, hey, you know what? We have two geographical areas that we can point to on a globe, and we can say that's where we live. Oh. And that's Somalia. She loved it. I said, and another thing is, I'm going to have you meet some Somalians. Yeah. She came into school the one day. We got her into school. Abdi Ajinor. No, 
yeah, Abdi Ajinar was the interpreter for, for the Somalians, and he came in. All the girls come in their dress garb and everything. Now Sam, and she's only 10 years old, 11 years old. She's got all these questions. And some questions that were tough when she goes, you know, you know what kind of animals do you have? Well, they probably eat them. You know, yeah. there's no pet, pet puppies and stuff there. Yeah. So said, but she came down, which was the toughest part of the whole thing, was the very last question. What was the difference between school and Somalia than it is here in the United States? And the one girl that just got in country, didn't speak a lick of English, she was 16 years old, comes in, and she, like, she started tearing up. And she starts, and I look over, I'm thinking, now as the principal, I'm thinking, no doubt about it, she's going to say, I've never been in school. And what it came down to was she was overcome by this little 10-year-old that is speaking fluently, writing, reading, doing all that stuff, and she was overcome by, like, I'll never be able to aspire to a girl that's five, six years younger than me. And Abdi told us that, and it was like, it was just totally reversed. I was thinking, because I was thinking they're in refugee camps, they didn't go to school at all, yeah. women were treated like crap, and it was just an incredible turning point. And that's what my daughter, I mean, we, we still talk about it to this day. My daughter, she's in nursing school right now, it just talks about those experiences that because I was in the city, that they had that experience that most kids don't get. Yeah. You know, and that's that's what if the one thing is the long way around, what would be one thing that I want to do is definitely that to open it up to the region to I wanted to actually do some exchange students from Grover to Hamburg when I was out there, have our kids go out there for a semester. Yeah. That's, our kids that's go a in. great idea. Oh, yeah. yeah, they used to do it. You know, really? You know, they did? Not so much the city, but remember we used to have exchange students from over in Europe. Sure. We'd have yeah. exchange students, but why not tour in the city? All these kids that are from all over the world, we could have exchanged yeah. to and give them the experience to actually get into the upper level stuff. I mean, I was the founding principal of IPREP. When Grover changed over, I actually started International Prep at Grover. That was a college board school. The whole premise was to get fifth graders all the way up to taking at least four AP courses by the time they're seniors. But if you started at fifth grade, you designed your curriculum backwards from the senior year, you'd be ready in 10th grade to be able to take AP Calc and AP, you know, whatever. That was the premise of it. It fell apart because different superintendents, different people came in. It was a great concept. All the immigrant students coming in thrived at it. There were 14 of these schools in New York alone. It was, you know, they were down in New York City, two in Rochester and two in Buffalo. We were one of them. And it was incredible stuff that we did, but I learned so much through the years of experiences. I get that human spirit, talking about the refugee camps. You know, safety was the biggest thing in refugee camps. Everybody yeah. was a family. There could be 5,000 people in, a, in a, a, a refugee camp. Everybody took care of all their own kids, you know, because they knew, you know, you, you got to go down and get water, go a mile for water. Everybody took care of every kid as a yeah. village. That How inspired it you. It oh. inspires you. You know, it makes the drive even better, right? It, it, my life, I'm telling you right now, from 1979 going now, we started this whole thing talking about the police department to where I am now in uh, 2023 is like, it, it's been something. Well, I, I think about writing about it all the time because it's, it's been a plethora of experiences all based on other people and what we could do to make it a better world. You know, and I, I've been fortunate. I've been very fortunate to I really have. And again, I've had bumps in the road. There's no question about it. You've heard some of them probably across the bar. <laughs> Everly, are you kidding me? Oh my God. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because I never, I never, I never will take one of those, those low points and say, nah, you know, I, I just built off of everything in my life. All the low points I built up into something huge. All peaks and valleys. This it's was definitely a peak in license to talk. I enjoyed this conversation a lot. And as we do for everybody, Kevin Everly, you are now licensed to talk, brother. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having Thank me. You. Thank you. It's great.